みなさんこんにちはエンウェルカムトゥザボードゲームドジョパドキャストマイネームイスエリックテンキューソーソーマッチフォーリスニングトゥアストゥデイエンソーリーアバウトミッシングラストウィークイワズアビットオフミンタ
but you were going to be rolling these dice to try to kind of in a recipe fulfillment way. So like maybe one dog will have a one, three and a five on it or a two and a six on it. And by rolling these dice, you are going to cover the dogs. And if you complete that dog card, then you can score it. The point of the game, the goal of the game is to be the first to complete six dog cards. And the person who completes the six dog cards first wins. And you are choosing how many dice to roll and where to go based on the different tricks that you have in the game. And by tricks, I mean like the kind of move cards. So for the run card, for example, you can roll a bunch of dice at the same time, whereas others will have you roll less dice, but maybe you can take a treat. And if you roll the dice and you can't place it on any of the dog cards in front of you, then you have to bury them. You bury them in the yard, per se. And if the dice that you have buried equal seven or more, then you bust, which means that all of the dog cards that you haven't scored yet, all of the dice on top of there get wiped out. You have to start over. So that is the push your luck element to it. And that's about it. You're gonna, it's going to come down to your turn is going to be to pick a move card to do, which might allow you to say, hey, I'm going to roll a di- bunch of dice this turn, or I'm going to get a new dog card this turn, or I'm going to score the dog cards that I have filled up. And if you get to six first, you win. So let's talk about the gameplay as it were. It is not really a requirement of Push Your Luck games. We do like it when Push Your Luck games have this bit of an arc to them. The fact that the you kind of start slow. And as the game progresses, your turns start to become a bit more important. There's a bit more urgency to your turns as other people start getting closer to the end of the game or you feel like they are have gained so much already that you have to start pushing your luck a little bit in order to catch up to them. And that is what Spots really offers. At the beginning of the game, when nobody has any dogs scored, it that run move isn't really chosen very often usually because there's no real reason to try to push your luck that much are you really going to roll that many dice when you can just roll a couple and be fine not really but as the end of the game starts getting closer and somebody starts scoring their third fourth or fifth dog card now all of a sudden that run card becomes very tempting because you need to make a comeback It's not like you're playing for second place here. You want to be the one and only winner. And I really like that because it gives you a bit of agency to try to push your luck in a way that you know is maybe not going to be in your favor. The odds are not going to be in your favor, most likely, but it feels like part of the game. Another thing that I should mention about this is that when somebody chooses one of the move cards, that move gets flipped over so other people can't choose it. And then after all but one have been chosen, then they flip back over. But so it's also a way of trying to keep other people from doing the the move card that maybe they need to progress. There's also the thing that if you can score all of your dogs at the same time, then you can score them all in one turn. Otherwise, if you want to score one of your dog cards, that's an entire turn by itself. So maybe you want to push your luck just a little bit more to try to score more of your dog cards at the same time. Every little thing in this game is something that you choose. You are choosing how much to push your luck. You are choosing your own fate almost. And I really like that. I've talked about before that something I really enjoy in 
push your luck games is this idea that somebody could win because I either pushed myself too much, I pushed my luck too much, or maybe they won because they just made a bunch of really gutsy moves and they won because of it. Or I lost because I just played it too safe. And that is what Spots really offers. In a very condensed package, in a very small rule set, it gives you so many choices that allow you to basically dictate how much, how gutsy you want to play the game. And with so many moves that are come in the box, it changes every game. Yes, there is a standard setup that they say, hey, for your first game, choose these six trick move cards. But after that, you can mix it up. There's only two of them that have to stay in every single game. And so it adds this replayability factor. It adds the fact that each game of this is going to feel slightly different while still keeping that same really fun foundation. If you're looking for maybe under the radar push your lucky game, then I would look at Spots. And that's Spots designed by Alex Haig, John Perry, and Justin Vickers. The art is by John Bond, and it is published by CMYK. The next game I want to talk about is Bandada, and we've actually talked about Bandada before in our 2022 Holiday Gift Guide episode as a game that we recommend for two players. But I've gotten to play it solo a bit more, and so I wanted to talk about it and kind of compare which one I like better. Bandada is a tableau builder. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but let's say, let's go with tableau builder but in dice mitigation game. So you'll start off the game by setting up these three rows of different colored dice, and there's four dice in each row. And these are black, blue, and brownish, orangish, yellowish color. I can't really tell the difference. But what you will do is you will take a bird card, and this bird card will have two things on the card. One thing that it'll have is an action that you can do that help you change the dice that are already on the board. And you want to do this because on the bottom of the card, it'll show the way that that bird scores. So it might be something like if you get two points for every die on the board that is a one, or you get four points for every die that's on the board that you can make a complete set that is like one, two, three, four. And so you want to change the dice on the board because not only do you get points when you take that bird, but then you will score that bird again at the end of every round. So you are constantly trying to change the dice around so that not only did the bird you just took have a lot of points, but all the birds that you've taken previously are now worth more points. But at the same time, You also need to keep track of what your opponent is doing because all the while it doesn't matter if you were the one that changed the dice. If anybody changed those dice, well, that bird scores the same. So you are all the while trying to change the dice so that you score more points while also changing the dice so that your opponent does not. So sometimes you're making these decisions of, well, okay, this, if I change this dice, that adds three to my score, but that also adds two to my opponent's score. So is that really worth it? Maybe I should change that dice so it's only worth two points for me, but then my opponent's score doesn't change. So this game really has it so that the rules are really on the cards. Most of what you're going to be thinking about are going to be how your cards are going to interact with each other and what this new bird does versus this other bird that's on the board and which one is going to be better. The rules, the understanding of the way the game works isn't up front. It's while you're playing the game. The game never fails to surprise me just how brain burning it feels when I play it. There's so much to think about on every single turn. 
And that's why I like it so much at two players. So I thought I would give this a chance at solo. Now, I've played it a couple times solo before, but I really cranked out a much more of these games in the past week. And so there's two ways to actually play the solo mode. There is against the AI, which kind of works similarly to the two-player game in which you are just trying to beat the AI straight up. Did you beat them or did you lose against them? That's it. But there is also a campaign in which you are looking for certain birds and trying to complete certain objectives. And I'm not going to tell you anything more about that because I want you to kind of explore it for yourself. And going at this game, I tried to see it from the viewpoint of, okay, if I was going at this game and I wanted to recommend this game to people, would I recommend this for you if you wanted a solo experience? Would I recommend it for you as a two-player experience? Or would I recommend it for you as both? And where I come down on the game is, first of all, I just really like the game. I think that it is a fantastic game. That is why we put it on our holiday gift guide last year. Yes, I know that some of the rules can be a little bit hard to understand, but there is an FAQ. And yes, we shouldn't assume that people are going to look at the FAQ for things, but I think that the rules are, for the most part, pretty okay. But besides that, there is just a certain joy in the brain burniness of this game. There is a joy of having to keep track of both what you are doing and your opponent is doing. Every turn feels important. Every turn feels like something you are deeply paying attention to because you have to. I am playing this game with somebody. I'm playing this game against somebody. And I like that. There is a time and a place for these multiplayer solitaire games, but a lot of the time I don't want those as much. I do like these kind of competitive games while still being able to dictate on my own terms. It feels confrontational without being take that, if that makes sense. So where I actually recommend this game is I recommend this as a game if you are looking for a two-player game. But saying that, while I prefer this at two-player, I think that it is a good solo game. I would probably, if I was ranking them, like if I gave them a score for both, I would probably give this game an 8 as a two-player game and a 7.5 as a one-player game. I tend to like the campaign better than going against the AI, and the campaign goes, uh, if you complete the campaign, you get different stars of how well you did it, so you can play back through. I think there's 10 objectives, if I remember correctly, or 10 scenarios, but I enjoy my plays of it. I will keep going back to it, and the production value of this is so nice. The cards are really nice. The magnetic box is really nice. It just feels like a premium package without that much of a premium price. I think that you can get a lot out of this game. And I actually am really hoping for some expansions for this so that you can get some more bird cards because I would be super excited to see where else the designer can take this game. And that is Bandada, published in 2022 designed by Chase Eastup, art by Dawson Kowals and Chase Eastup, and published by Runaman Games. And finally, our last game is Sea, Salt, and Paper, a game that seems to have left the hotness as quick as it entered it. It seemed like it was all I heard about on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, and then suddenly nobody is talking about it. So maybe I'm just too late to the hotness or something. We do gate all these games a little bit later than everybody else, it seems like. But Sea Salt in Paper is a very, very, very small box card game in which you are trying to create sets. And you do this very simply by at the beginning of your turn, you are going to choose to take cards, and you can either choose two from the top of the deck and 
keep one and discard the other one. Or you can choose one card that is already in the discard pile on top. And sometimes there's one discard pile and sometimes there's two. And there are different combinations that you can make that both give you points, but also can give you different abilities. So for example, if you collect two ships, you get a point, and then you also get to take another turn. If you collect both the swimmer and the shark, you would play them both. And that allows you to steal a card from the opponent's hand. It's things like that. Now you're going to keep going in the round until somebody gets seven points, and then they will get to choose whether they say stop and the round ends right there and you score. Or they could say you get one last chance. And that is saying that they think that they will have more points than you. You get one more turn. Everybody gets one more turn. And then if they have more points than anybody else, then they get a little bit of a bonus. And so there's a little bit of a pusher luck element to it there. Otherwise, there's not really that much else to this game. It is a very simple game. It is a very pleasant game. It is a game in which you can bring it to anywhere and teach it to anyone. And I think that is part of the appeal of it. Not only that, though, the art I really like. I know some people don't like the origami art, but I totally dig it. This feels to me like the perfect opening for a game night in which you are trying to introduce people to board games, or it's going to be a game that you can play in the morning with your family or morning with your partner over a nice cup of coffee. Now, there are different player counts for this, and I actually prefer it at two. I just think it moves really well. There's a crispness to it. There's a back and forth to it. There is a certain, I'm going to discard this card and hope that this other person doesn't take that card to it. And I think it, it, I think it is a good game at three. And then at four is kind of okay. I think it goes a bit too long. there. I think it overstays its welcome a bit too long there. So I would say best at two, good at three, and meh at four. But for a game that is made up entirely of mechanisms that you've seen before, there is nothing absolutely groundbreaking here. It is a fun experience. It is a nice family activity. It is a nice start to the day if you want to just crank this game out and play it for a bit. Like I talked about in the four-player thing, it can feel a bit long for what the rule set you think. You would think it'd be something like 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and it can take up to somewhere around 40. So you have to know that going in, and you have to know that there is going to be a lot of top decking. There's a lot of the element of luck. There can be a runaway leader in certain games of this. But saying all that, I still think that the breeziness of it, the pleasantness of it, the overall production quality of it, and the fact that you could, again, really teach this to just about anyone makes this a really attractive game for its price point that is usually around $10. I don't know what it is about this game. There are these pitfalls to it that I completely agree with when people complain about it, but there's just something about it that makes me feel similar to how I felt about Abandon All Artichokes, a game that I seemingly liked more than a lot of other people, where, yes, I can see that the luck can often determine the winner of the game. I know that, but there's just something so cozy about it. There's just something so nice about it. There's something so familiar to coming back to it and playing again and not having to relearn all of the rule set because it just makes sense. Nothing here is groundbreaking or new. I can just come up to it and it feels like I've been playing this game for years. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I play so many new games that there is just this certain appeal sometimes to a game that doesn't feel like I'm having to learn a completely new rule set all of the time. I'm playing this game and I can walk up to it and it's just, 
ah, okay, this is set collection, and there are these icons that tell me what these certain cards do if I collect them. Great. I don't know. It's 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 hard to put my finger on why I like this game, and I don't think it's going to be for everybody, but that is, again, why I think it is so nice that you can try this on BGA and see if it's for you. I do think there is a certain appeal to it playing physically, but I think that if you want to explore what I mean by, okay, there are certain games that can take a little bit longer, try out how you think it works at two versus three versus four. Find out if it might be worth it for you or your partner or you and your kid to try together. I think that this is a nice game to at least look at. And that is Sea Salt and Paper, and it is time for my weekly botching of the French language, designed by Bruno Catala and Théo Riviere, art by Lucien Dachain and Pierre-Yves Gaillard, and published by Bombix. Well, I don't know if that was a bit of an incoherent episode. It probably was. It was an episode that I did. But if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please, please, please leave us a five-star review on your podcast. It really helps the algorithm find us. And if you aren't following us on Twitter and Instagram and on YouTube, check us out on there. Like I said, we're going to be doing a lot of experimenting where we're going to be publishing on different days. We're going to be doing different kinds of videos. So the more you can stay up to date, then I hope that you will enjoy the new types of content that we are putting out. Thanks so much again for joining us today. いつもありがとうございます。Until next time, じゃあね。